Hey everybody, I wanted to jump in here before the beginning of the podcast uh, to tell you about today's guest. His name's Marty Merritt, longtime friend of mine in the cycling community, great guy, and a really big advocate for people of color in the cycling community. Um, I thought he would be a great guest to have on to talk about the topics of race and racism within the sport. And we had a really good conversation. Unfortunately, towards the end of the podcast, the audio gets a little shaky. I've done the best I can to kind of make it work. Uh, But while Marty was uh, promoting his new project called The Black Foxes, it really starts to cut out a lot and you don't get a lot of what he was saying. So I wanted to jump in and let you guys know about this project. So in Marty's words, uh, The Black Foxes is a way to have a bigger black presence in the cycling industry and in outdoor spaces. Uh, They wanna tell their stories and they wanna share their vision. To be able to find out more about their vision and more about what the Black Foxes are about, you can follow them on Instagram, uh, at the underscore Black Foxes, and you can also find them on the website, theblackfoxes.com. Definitely check it out, check out Marty, I really hope you enjoy this one. And with that, let's get into the podcast. Welcome to episode four of Tailgunning, a podcast about two crit racers who are just trying not to get dropped. Uh, so first, apologies uh, that we've been kind of MIA the past couple weeks. Things have been a little bit busy, uh, a little bit hectic with Stephen and I, and actually Stephen was not able to make it today. But I do have a super awesome guest today, uh, and that guest is Marty. Marty, uh, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing, Matt? How's everything going? Uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, just kind of trying to get caught up on this, trying to trying to get another episode out. And I thought you would be the perfect person to have on to talk about what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, so wow, why don't you go thank ahead you. and introduce yourself? Okay. Well, uh, first of all, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Uh, I really appreciate you reaching out. Um, and yeah, I will go right ahead. So, yeah, my name is Marty Merritt. I'm uh, from Chicago, Illinois, as you know. Um, I began my racing, uh, the illustrious Cat 4 or 5 racing career (laughs) uh, with you in the same peloton. And um, I, yeah, so I started, that was the 2015 season is when I started. I got my first road bike or I consider my first uh, getting into cycling uh, in December of 2014 in Chicago, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mm-hmm. remember, I don't even know what, it had to be like Lincoln Park or something, I think, where I met It was. You. The one nice year that Lincoln Park has ever been nice. And the rest <laughs> of it has all been like terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lincoln Park is famous for that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Marty and I met back, 
back then and we started racing together and then you moved out to uh are you in barcelona i am presently living in barcelona okay. uh i left i left chicago uh in december of 2000 actually a couple days after uh montrose uh uh, cyclocross race which is right there at the same site yeah. as the Lincoln yeah. Park grid so um I started and ended my uh, racing career at the right there at the same park there okay and that was what mm -hmm. 2017 2016 2016 2016 okay. yeah yeah okay. so uh as far as like uh you know you found racing um then is that kind of when you got into cycling right away too or did you have like your foray into cycling before you got into racing well uh my history with bikes goes uh till back in the day i'll just give you a brief synopsis i actually grew up in the south in uh in chapel hill north carolina and then i moved to virginia and i used to ride bmx bikes i had a huffy with my friends in the woods we used to make jumps and things in the back uh when I moved to Chicago, uh, you know, I had a bike. I used to ride around. And then um, fast forward to the early 2010s, I rode the fixed gear around just around town to commute and whatnot. And actually, I got into cycling through a group, a running group in Chicago. You might have heard of them. They're called uh, Three Run Two. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know them? Yeah, I know. I, I don't know them, but I know of them. Correct, correct. So yeah, my uh, one of my best friends, uh, well, they're brother and sister, but two very dear friends of mine uh, have this group called Three Run Two, and um, you know, at one of them we used to always have hang out at a place called Dunlays on the square in Logan Square. So after one of the runs, uh, one of the other members' husband rode for uh, Bonkers Cycling. Okay. His name, is, uh, his name is Andres. I don't know if you ever remember Andres, but uh, he was like a generation ahead of us he used to ride with the old 10 speed hero okay okay sure sure um yeah so he's like hey man like we, we started talking bikes and one thing led to another and then he introduced me into the 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 most awesome scene of cycling in america which is probably what we have in chicago uh, and uh we're pretty lucky yeah, it was, with our scene yeah we're we're unlucky with terrain and weather yeah, it more than makes up socially uh, for cycling in Chicago. Yeah, definitely, I would agree there. <laughs> yeah, so that's how. Um, so yeah, I started riding with him and uh, and Paul from uh, I think you remember Jus d'Orange that team. Yes, we're yeah, riding yeah. with those guys. Yeah, and one thing led to another, and started making friends, and uh, you know that's all she wrote. That's that's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Cool. Excellent. So topic today is definitely one that I want to approach carefully because it's a it's a it's a topic that I think is very important, but it's also a topic that because of who I am, I don't have a ton of experience with. And this is the topic okay. of race and racism in cycling. And I do think okay. like it's a somewhat of an uncomfortable topic, I think, for a lot of people to to discuss, but I again i think it's a really important one and so like i said i've not mm -hmm. experienced really any anything towards me but 
I have seen it within the sport. And so I kind of want to let you take the lead on this and, and maybe okay. I'll just jump in with questions or, or, or thoughts as well. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Um, I mean, where to begin? I think, uh, I think cycling is, well, I mean, we know when we go to all the races, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you look around and you rarely see, uh, uh, people of color and even less so, uh, black people. And, uh, I mean, yeah, so cycling, I'm going to start off by saying that cycling has a, has a long way to go as far as uh, diversity and inclusion. Um, in my experience in Chicago, I never experienced any direct, uh, uh, you know, racism. Uh, like I said, the scene in Chicago is, uh, I mean, but we're also in Chicago, so it's a little bit more of a uh, kind of a liberal place or whatever. But uh, personally, I have not experienced anything while racing in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just being a just being a black racer, we you just notice like just you're it's like being a, an earthling on a planet full of aliens and you're the only one or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like if yeah. you see another earthling on Mars, you're going to be, hey, oh, man. Oh, wow. That's great. How you doing? Oh, wow. How long have you been here on Mars? Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I got here like uh, five years ago. It's cool. Hey, you want to exchange numbers? Yeah, it's cool. It's good. To, it's good to have one of our own here. It's, right. it's kind of like that. It's not kind of. It's exactly like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you you explained it pretty well. I mean, you go to races uh, and it doesn't matter like the the type of racing, right? Like mountain bike, track, or, like not. it doesn't matter where, but very rarely do you see, you know, non-white racers correct correct it's uh yeah it's uh that's 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 pretty much the truth and um you know just there's there's a lot of work to be done and i i you know i man there's so much there's so many ways we could we could we could dissect this so how you know maybe maybe this is a good question to start off with as someone who is in the sport and who's been in the sport for a while and sees this as something that can, can be improved upon. How can I, as someone who's not a person of color, be an advocate or, or help to change, to incite that change and to bring that change about? Uh, well, you know, I think it's the same thing with, uh, uh, with like psychology and psychiatry, except I think it's on a, on a collective scale. You know, the first thing, the first step is always, what? what's always the first step when trying to address a personal problem is to admit that there's a problem or to admit, sure. that, you know, the patient has to admit that she or he has a problem in the first place before it can be remedied. And then I think um, uh, it's important to kind of look at the, maybe the, I don't know if history is the right word, but the legacy of this and understand um, that, that it is a problem. Uh, and to maybe understand that uh, diversity and inclusion make any realm richer, not just cycling, right? When you have more people competing or riding 
right? Or, or you know, just, just out having fun on their bikes, whatever realm and at whatever level they decide, it makes the sport overall better. When a sport is more welcoming and more open, um, then it makes the sport overall better. I mean, you make new friends, um, yeah. bike shops and bike companies sell more products. Um, there's more people signing up for races, right, potentially, which is also a problem that we have. I mean, you name it, right? I mean, it's good for business. It's good socially. It's good uh, in, in, in so many realms. So to recognize that fact, I, those, those facts is, I think, a good uh, starting point. Mm -hmm. But I also think that, and not just in cycling, but I really think that, I, I think that white people, and when I say white people, you know, I don't know, people, like, oh, you know, whatever. But like, it's true. Even, even like my friends, I tell my friends, like I, all my friends, right, that my white friends, who may not, who aren't aware that they live in a world that was built for them. Sure. So they, I would say that with that being said, it's really, it can be very challenging for a person of color or a black person to try to explain to a white person what racism is and how it feels. Because yeah. with the air of racism, it's not just being prejudiced, right? Anyone can be prejudiced, that's free, right? But right. to be racist, there's an element of power. There's an element of being able to uh, and put that prejudice into a practice that affects a number of people. And right. when even if, yeah, and he, I'm sorry. What would you say? No, you're okay. I was going to say like using that power in, in a negative way, right? Uh, yeah, of course. Well, because racism uh, inherently is negative. So right. it's like, yes. you know, it's uh, using, being able to, you know, to employ that prejudice in a way. But what I was getting back to is what I think that a lot of our our, our white brothers and sisters uh, can do is A, admit there's a problem, B, see how they are living in a world, um, not just in cycling, but everywhere, but since we're talking mm -hmm. about cycling, cycling, a world that was, that was built for them um, uh, to succeed, and, but not for others. And... And, and once these realizations, uh, once an individual comes to these realizations, I believe that they're in a, well, they're more educated and they're more uh, in a position to start advocating for uh, inclusion and diversity. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I can see that. I so there was something else I was going to just say too, and it's like, that it can, it, it, it's very tiring sometimes, Matt. You know, sometimes like I have to, Dude, like I have to like explain to people, like I mean I don't have to explain to to my you know I'm just explain to my black brothers and sisters this because we live this right? right, but I have to explain to people like what what racism is, why it's wrong, and how certain things that people say and do are 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 racist or you know what I mean or and it's like wait what do you mean it's not racist? It's like listen you know. If, if a person's never suffered from racism, then they can't tell me what racism is and they can't tell me how to uh, protest it or to to act about it, right? What That's a great opportunity. And the third point I want to make is that is that it's a great opportunity for our white brothers and sisters to sit and listen to our narratives and to listen to our stories, mm -hmm. right? So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just scratching the top of the iceberg, but I think it's those kind of three things that... Uh, they kind of speak to what you're asking.
No, I think that what you said there is incredibly helpful. And I, I do think that we are starting to see more people uh, in the sport listen, like you've said, and, and, and realize that there is, you know, this entire group of people who, who have been basically excluded from the sport, uh, whether it's intentional or not. I mean, there, you can definitely argue that there have been times that, that, that it has been intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, I am really happy to see, like you said, more people in the sport and it, because it does just elevate, I mean, two of my favorite riders in the sport right now, you know, quote unquote pro riders are the Williams brothers, you know, mm -hmm. people of color in the sport. And you've something that I've noticed that I've seen happening is, you know, they get sometimes this criticism from other riders in the sport and it's not it's not criticism of them as a rider it's like criticism of them as a person mm -hmm. but it almost feels like when i read things like some of the things that i've seen i can't think of an example off the top of my head but it it feels very much like thinly veiled yeah racism, racism. And, and it is uh usually if you have that feeling like that you're noticing that feeling and you know then it usually is because, you know, I mean, listen, I mean, here's the way I think about race, right? And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm piggybacking off of analogy that uh, a good friend of mine um, who is white uh, passed on to me. And it's like this, right? Racism is like those moving walkways that you have at O'Hare, right? As you're going to your gate. Okay. You're either, you're either on the walkway and you're not walking. Right. So you are part of a racist system. You live in a racist system that was built for you, but you're not actively engaged in sure. uh, in racist acts. But, you know, when you see something happening or if a family member says something or a friend or someone in your social circle says something, you don't really say anything. You let it pass. You know, that's just grandpa or that's just Uncle Joe. Yeah. You know, he's racist. Okay. You know, let's not like that's the person who's on the walkway benefiting from the system, but not actively engaging in sure acts of violent or at least violent acts of racism or discrimination uh you know things like that then you have the people that walk along that right so you that's the pretty obvious ones right the, the a lot of these militiamen and neo-nazis and clans right things like that uh <laughs> politicians in washington a lot of them and then you have people which are very 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 uh much, much more rare are the people who are walking against in the opposite direction of this moving walkway. And these are the people that are called anti-racists, right? So these are the people that are actively uh, fighting against uh, this system of uh, systemic racism. And uh, they're much fewer uh, in number. But I, I hope that in light of extra events that the numbers, the ranks are growing of anti-racists. You know, we're at a day right now, Matt, where just to be walking or just to be standing on the on the walkway, so to speak, uh, and to not be a racist is like that's level one on Mario Brothers. There's there's no right. you don't get a prize. You don't get a prize for that. Like not being racist is something that should already be a norm. Yeah, you shouldn't be right? rewarded for doing what's expected of you. Exactly. Exactly. But you hear this like, oh, I'm not racist. You know, like, oh, you know, I'm Irish. Right. You know, the Irish are also discriminated against. Blah, 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 blah. You hear right. all this type of, of like microaggressions and things like that. 
by people who are, oh, yeah, I have a black friend. Like that's, that's unacceptable. Mm. And uh, uh, for a fourth point, if, if you're asking me what you think, uh, you know, our white brothers and sisters can do in the races in the Peloton is to actively call out racism. Okay. Uh, yeah. Actively and unapologetically call out racism and racists and things that they say, no matter what that uncomfort might bring about to the one calling out the racism. Because the discomfort that um, that we feel in the Pelotons and on the trails and the single tracks and in life in general, that uncomfort has been going on for hundreds of years and is thousands of times worse than the temporary uncomfort that might be felt when calling out someone saying or doing something racist. Sure. Yeah. I. That makes total sense. And yeah. I think... Uh, like one of the things I, I feel, I, I guess you could say it has helped and hurt, you know, is, is social media, right? Like it's mm. much easier to call out those people uh, with those platforms. But I also have seen, you know, at the same time, there are, <laughs> there are groups out there, you know, on social that are mm -hmm. sequestered away. Mm -hmm. But I have seen groups in the past, right, where... It's just a group of riders who very clearly have separated themselves from the rest of the, the Peloton or the community, right? Because they want to say the, these things or do these things. You mean and these it, negative things? Yes, yes. These, you know, uh, and, and sometimes too in, in our sport, I've noticed because our sport is, ha, does have such a history of being, you know, a middle-aged white man sport. Yeah. Right? It's, it's How's not, that for business? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not even just in in groups like these. It's not even just towards people of color. Even it's you know anybody who's not you know thirty five to to fifty five white and you know at at least middle upper middle class. Got you. Got you. And, and so, like, I really having having been enjoying social as a way, you know, I get to still get to communicate, communicate with you. Um, and, and we mm -hmm. get to talk about these things, you know, it's always funny because we're on such different timelines. I'll wake up for, with a message from you sometimes and be like, Hey man, listen to this or take a look at this. It's really, you know, it's really helpful. But then we have at the same time, again, I don't know if I'm just going on this super long tangent. No, no, but, no, no, no. I, you're, you're giving me, yeah, this is, context is good. Yeah. Like it, it, at the same time, I see these, these social things in the sport and it's like you said it's uncomfortable to have to have these conversations but i think if it wasn't uncomfortable then that would be a problem right if i was comfortable not calling these people out if it was just like oh yeah i'll just let it go like you said just be on the escalator like yeah that's too it sounds dumb to say but that's too easy right i don't i want I want to have a sport where Marty, you, or, you know, other, just anybody, people of color, anybody, not even, you know, I want a sport where everybody feels included. And mm -hmm. if I have mm -hmm. to go out of my way to, to kick somebody out, who's not making it feel that way, then I mm -hmm. think that that is totally acceptable. And like you said, it should be done because, mm -hmm. The exclude, I, I don't know, the exclusion of one person who is excluding everybody else 
seems like a worthwhile battle to fight. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I can definitely agree. Or at least depending on the extent at which you're talking, right? Because listen, I'm also like, but you know, it's we also live in a culture like this cancel culture as well and things like that. We're yeah. like, listen, like we have to admit as well that like, you know, to a lot of like, to a lot of our white brothers and sisters to talk about this is, <laughs> it's like, what? Like, what do you mean? And it's like, yeah, dude, you know, you know what I mean? So in, in, in a lot of cases, there's people, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, when, when a lot of this stuff happens, in many cases, Matt, a person doesn't even know that they're saying something racist or doing something uh, discriminatory or sexist or whatever, right? Because they've been so, it's been, it's like trying to, it's, it's, dude, it's like trying to, exa- it's like trying to, exactly. It's like trying to describe to a fish what water is. Right. How do you do that? Right. You're like, you know, you know, there's a, you know, Nemo, you know, that like above this uh, world you live in, there's a whole nother like exactly. medium, re- like reality. And, and that's where it gets tiring because it's really not like our place. It's not my place to educate someone like, you know, like that on history and things like that. That's what we have Google for. You know, right. we have well, technology that can help. It should with that. be expected. I think as a person, sorry, I kind of cut you off there. As, no, no, no. As a person who is trying to operate in the current world, I think that we should have that expectation of one another that we're constantly learning and making improvements upon ourselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's because, yeah, part of it. Exactly. Because, you know, I mean, because I'm also a believer of one cannot be enlightened if at one point in their lives they were not ignorant. Sure. Right. Because, you know, that's what movies are made of. Right. That's what books are made of. That's how heroes are made. Right. Like no one's born perfect. And, you know, I I, I give kudos to, uh, you know, our white brothers and sisters who have grown up and have finally and and those who have realized, wow, uh, I I am aware, more aware now of how I'm on this walkway. I'm not walking along it because I don't agree with the Klan. But, man, there are ways where I've done this or I've done that or I've said this or said that or maybe the way that I think about certain people or groups of people mm-hmm. right and like it's that realization it's the realization that wow um there are aspects of my life where I have ignorance and that's the only it goes back to the first point right we can't be enlightened once we realize that we've been ignorant this is a really good point because I noticed this a lot with uh you know maybe the it's not maybe not maybe the generation before me, but like my parents' generation, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, my parents are in their, I want to say sixties, mm-hmm. and so like this this fifties sixties age range, at least in my impression, right? Seems like mm-hmm. I feel like I have this conversation a lot with people in that age range, of like. Mm-hmm just because you're not actively going out and like assaulting a person of color doesn't mean that there are not things that you have done in your life or said in your life or ways that you've acted in your life that have have you know caused hurt on someone else because of the issue of racism yeah yeah i i definitely agree and yeah i definitely agree or you hear things like you you've probably heard like well, you know, that's just how the world is. Right. 
Well, and that's people have always been like this, and it's like, dude, when like that's not a voice of someone who is ready to enact change. Right. Well, that's a person who's accepting of mediocrity. That's always or worse. The same thing in in like business, right? Like, well, that's just the way we've always done things. And my answer it, to mm-hmm. that has always been, why? Like, so you've done it that way, change it. Exactly. You, exactly. you know, just because there's a just because we've had this. Um, shitty belief system for hundreds of of years doesn't mean we can't stop it and and move forward with something that is you know good for everybody yeah no exactly and 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 it's crazy because what you just said there is something that would appear to be common sense right but but it's something that we exactly something that's being made controversial like, come on, man. Did you see the Michael Che uh, stand-up recently? It was all over the internet. Um, I don't think so. Michael Che from Saturday Night Live. Basically, he goes like this. We talk about, like, he's basically saying, like, you know, with the Black Lives Matter, he goes, what a low bar to set, right? He's like, can we at least agree that Black Lives exist? You know what I'm saying? Right. And he's like, when people say Black Lives Matter, someone shoots back almost, re- almost like, instinctively with, hey, dude. Yeah. He goes, okay, semantics. Of course, all lives matter. We know that. That's why black lives matter. Right. Well, and I mean, I think you've probably seen it. And it's it's my favorite way to kind of, you know, go get around that analogy. And whether it works or not can be argued because people are set in their ideologies. And those people who are seeking out change kind of already can understand this. But, like, you have that analogy of, like, the house is burning, right? And it's like... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, your house is on fire, but sorry, I can't help you because all houses matter. So I'm going to pour some water on my house instead. Exactly. And, exactly. and, and it's right. like, I don't know, man. It's oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it seems so silly for me to express how frustrating it is because I don't uh-huh. have to live through it. But it's so frustrating. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. not have people listen. But again, like... I, like you said, I can argue and not have people listen and have it not affect my day-to-day life, mm-hmm. but you can't. Other people of color can't. And like, no. So it's like, on my end, I have to realize like, yeah, it might be frustrating, but it's nowhere close to, to what it is like for people that I'm trying to help fight for. A good, that's a good point. It's a good point. It's a good, it's, uh, I mean, it's, I wish there were more talking like that because you are in, in saying that you are acknowledging, you know, because what's the normal thing is you don't, normally it's like people get defensive or deflect or try to, you know, change the subject or kind of close up. You know, and it's like, man, this is this is a festering wound in 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 cycling and in America, really. I mean, like we're talking about cycling, Matt, but like honestly, like cycling is kind of a microcosm of so many uh, different realms of of North American uh, North American life when it comes to race relations. Sure. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, I was. You know, like. Oh, you go go ahead. ahead. No, nothing. Go ahead. I was going to ask, like having moved right from uh i almost said illinois which you did move from but from the united states right where Mm -hmm. i think 
that this kind of discussion we're having is definitely a microcosm of issues in the United States for sure. But have you noticed mm-hmm. a difference in, in, in how um, the sport is looked at as far as in regards to the topic of race, how it's looked at in the States versus how it's looked at in, in you know, Spain now or in other countries that you've been to now? Is it different? Does it feel different? Is there less well, of an air of like um, just old white dudes? Well, yeah, I mean, there's difference. Uh, well, yeah, so here, it's still uh, it's still a predominantly white sport. Uh, I've met since I've been here for three years. I have seen two, no, okay. three um, black cyclists. None of them have been African American because here, uh, ninety nine, like most of the of the black population here, are of direct uh, uh, African descent. Sure, uh, I've met a few. But, like, I've never experienced anything directly here. But that's not to say that, I mean, cycling is just as white a sport here as it is in the States. I mean, cycling worldwide is, uh, up until this point, uh, you know, a predominantly white sport. Right. But I, and I, don't, I, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question. Um, no, that, but... I, was, I just was curious, you know, because, um, you know, yes, uh, racism is a problem everywhere in the world mm-hmm. but I think it is one of those things that should be is rightfully so under the microscope in the US but I think it's um, it's a big problem in the states that because we're uncomfortable about it it's never talked about whereas I think maybe it's a little bit more um, accepted and worked towards in 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 other countries, you know, this is me kind of speaking out of my ass because I've never lived in another country. So, you know, I've always lived here in the States. And so my experience is pretty much uniquely that. Yeah. Yeah. It's still, um, yeah, it's still a problem here. People, people, I mean, people, it's weird, man, because with, with, with America, and not just with race relations, but with everything, with the size of cars, with the size of people, with the, the like, everything in America is, like, to an extreme, right? And, um, you know, overall, if I just say overall in general, even though Europe and Western Europeans were the inventors of the concept of race and thus racism, it's not as blatant blatantly violent as it is in the states i understand that there's other factors with that like for example the the gun laws that have been passed Mm -hmm. um or not passed um the lack of you know there's the problem with guns then you have just there's a whole different dynamic but here in spain people people are more like oh racism that's an american problem we don't have that here in spain and i'm like hmm not really. It's still okay. a problem here as well. It's just not as it's not like a violent as violent as it is in the states. Okay. But when I see black faces, uh, at least speaking in Spain, right now each country is different, right? Germany is a very sure. different country. Um, uh, I think that there's more upward mope with my limited experience in Germany, and 
in the uh, Netherlands, uh, in, in these places, there's a little bit more upward mobility for black folk. Okay. But in Spain, I've never seen a black police officer. I've never seen, um, when I go and teach, I teach and tutor, and a lot of these, these uh, are in affluent neighborhoods. I've never seen a, and I can, the, the affluence that I see in the white communities here with anyone of dark skin. Okay. So even though it's not violent, it's, it's clear that if you have dark skin or if you have black skin in Spain, then you are going to be in these essential, uh, essential job positions, which tend to be lower paying. You know, if I see people selling items on the streets, mm. they tend to have, uh, uh, be, uh, Africans, okay. right. Not, not locals. Right. So, and we also have, you know, with this whole Trump, uh, you know, phenomenon, we've had the resurgence of ultra extreme right um, political parties here in Spain. I mean, I know we're not talking about political parties, we're kind of no, off no, on a no. tangent, it's, but it's a valid point. But we're seeing a rise of that as well, and uh, and more vocal racism here as well. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, the United States is such an influential right. place for the rest of the world, and I mean that, but for better or for worse. Right. Like right now, unfortunately, it's for the worse. But I mean, yeah, to answer your question, to go back to what you were saying, I have never experienced any anything that was blatantly racist okay. uh, in the Pelotons here in Spain, even though it is still uh, a pretty much uh, almost 100 percent white sport. Yeah. OK, cool. Um, maybe one question that we haven't really talked about is how and maybe we've covered a little bit of this and, and it's just rehashing the same thing differently, but how can we um, as a sport really get more people involved? Like what, what do you think are some steps that the sport itself can take, whether it's, you know, bike uh, companies or the, the pros or even just on the local level, like what are the best ways to get, uh, to make the sport feel more welcoming. Um. Well, uh, that's that's a that's yeah that's a kind of a big question. Be, no, yeah, it is a big question, but it's an important question. Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to start off by saying this: that a lot of people aren't going to be changed, right? Like, if you go and see, there are certain companies, a few companies, who have been about diversity and inclusion in cycling for a while now. Sure. Um, since the, you know, um, the recent uh, lynchings of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, um, and countless others, mm -hmm. there have been other, there are other companies that, at least right now, because it's been recent, appear to be making some changes, at least by their Instagram posts. Right, um, their PR. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of PR. And you know, some of those companies are gonna have substance behind the PR, others aren't. But the first thing I'm gonna say when you're talking about the industry is uh, the industry needs to have more people of color, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, to in, in, in all levels of their, how can I say decision making processes? So we need to see we need to see more black people on uh, 
at, at the round tables in the decision making positions at these at these big companies. Okay. Um, you know, because it's just because for obvious reasons, right? I mean, that's what the companies can do is to start uh, employing more black people, okay, more people of color, sure. more women, um, because they need to be. Their boards of directors need to reflect the multicultural planet that we live on, okay? And they need to be on board with how this type of change um, is not just good for the people that they would potentially be employing, but good for them and good for the industry as a whole. Because what does this mean, right? It's like the, you know, you know, When you have more representation in your board's directors, you're going to have perspective that otherwise you wouldn't have, right? And perspective is good for business. Um, that's on the the company side. I mean, there's so much more that we could talk about like that. Companies need to do more than just put a couple of black people in their ads and say, okay, work here is done. We're not racist. Look, we look, yeah, we, we put Marty in an ad. We put Aisha in an ad. Okay, we're cool. We're cool, mm -hmm. right? It's like, no, you know, if you, you know, you need to seek, actively seek out, uh, you know, brand, yes, brand ambassadors that are of color and recompensate them, compensate them for their efforts and their time. Mm -hmm. um, um, just because that's what people do when they work and put time into uh, promoting, uh, you know, whatever their company or whatever product they're trying to, to, to promote. Um and they need to put more people of color in, in decision-making positions. I think that is the number one start uh, or seek ways to do that. I think that a company that's done a good job of this um, or recently has been uh, Trainer Road. Okay. And Coach Chad on the – actually, Justin's on the most recent episode. It was yesterday. I so haven't that watched out. that one yet. I really want to. I'm so far behind yeah. my podcasts. I'm still back in like – February in my podcasts. Um, well, the one with Justin and the one from last week. But yeah, go ahead. Now, uh, no, go ahead. You just saw one from last week. Okay, I'll go and then you tell me what you just saw. So okay. hold that thought because <laughs> I want to hear it. I'm interested. No, he basically says the beginning of the show. Uh, you know, just like you have here, and in, in a way of admitting your, um, I guess, ignorance towards uh, some of these realities and being open. He goes, "Yeah, you know, back in the day, I thought I would just put up a job post." Yeah, I'm not racist. That's what he says. Yeah, I'm not racist. Anyone okay. gets the job, I'll hire anybody. But what he wasn't realizing, and he and, and here's the irony, is that this was brought to his attention by the few people of color that they already had on the team. Okay. So he said, oh, and then he started putting on, like, you'll, you'll hear the episode. You'll be able to talk about mm -hmm. it. But he said, listen, so in essence, what they said was, here's what we're going to do. This is the problem. We see in this way, this way, and this way how we have been part of the problem. And it's going to be an A, B, C, and D and how we are going to work to fix the problem as uh, as trainer, uh, you know, for trainer rope, right? As a company, what we are going to do. So they have just the same way that they do their podcast and we have to have everything planned. You know how they are. Those guys are super organized. Right. They've done the same thing. They've used the same methodology with um, with diversity and, and moving towards a more diverse and inclusive workspace. Okay. Because now I know yeah. whose side they're on. Yeah. Um, that's what I was actually going to bring up was I had seen that, um, I think it was like, uh, I saw it through like Instagram 
TV or live TV, whatever they call it. That was mm-hmm. where I had seen that um, Coach Nate talk about what they were going to do, why they mm-hmm. saw it as a problem. So, yeah, I I think I saw that yesterday, maybe, and was really um, impressed with not only, like, his, like you said, his ability to say, like, this is a problem, this is how we're going to fix it, um, or sorry, his ability to say this is a problem, but then also continue on, right, and say, like, this is what we're going to do to fix it. Yeah, so they follow up from that. So if you listen to this, what I'm talking about, it's a follow up from the one that you're referring to. They go into okay. more detail. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to I really that one out. Yeah, 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 you will. It's, it's like the second to last one. It's the one that Justin was yesterday was the one from last week. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I got on it because they talked 35 minutes just on sprinting. So I was like, okay. I was on my trainer and I was like sprinting, but I was not expecting it was a pre- pleasant surprise at the very beginning of the of, of the podcast. So you know, that's one thing industry um uh can do is to, you know, it's to self-reflect and just like because what is these companies are made up of what? Individuals. So each individual needs to reflect on on her or himself. Or contributing, even subconsciously, realize uh, that and say, "Oh, wow, okay, I need to do something." Right? That realization—that's a catalyst for people being able to enact long-term change. So, uh, there's a couple of other companies who have done it. Uh, I mean, like Fuji Bikes—they're not selling—they're not selling any more bikes to police station, uh, police departments because of how their bikes have been used violently against peaceful protesters. You have other companies that are not, I'm actually preparing to off topic, is the silence that I've heard from pro cyclists, from pro cycling team. Like no one, there's like two pros who have said anything about this. You know, like I have quote unquote influencers that I follow and they continue to post things as if the world is normal. You sure. And... Silence is the loudest thing in the room right now. I, I, I've seen the Fuji bike thing, and I know that there was, I want to say maybe it was Surly. I'm not 100% sure, but I do remember seeing another company say, like, you know, our, any bikes that we have or that we've made are not going to be, you know, um, used in this way. We're not comfortable. We don't advocate using them in this way. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, Giant's doing a good job. Live is doing it well. Giant and Live are doing great jobs. SRAM has been on the game. Up, uh, I, but I mean, like, I don't want to say like there's a lot of companies posting a lot of stuff, but sure, right. as far as the substance is concerned, the companies that I mentioned have been uh, do, saying uh, and doing when in a yeah. world of a lot of saying and posting, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, as far as races are concerned, as far as uh, on the local level, I don't know, man. I, I think that exposure, like, I don't know, because this is this is a this is a big question because it's kind of a historic problem and it goes into something that 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 uh, that transcends cycling itself. It goes into like social relations between individuals, right? Like, so um, I don't know, man. Get out there, meet new people, talk mm-hmm. to people who don't look like you. You know, I mean. Get some perspective in life, travel, right? Like all these little things, uh, 
that people can do to, 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 I don't know, to, to become better human beings uh, are easily accessible. Yeah. Well, I think um, you brought up a good point about, you know, having these people become the decision makers in the company. Um, and then you brought up the idea of like, you know, having, um, you know, people of color in roles, visible roles, right? And, and mm-hmm. like, you, you know, I've seen, um, again, the Williams brothers, you, um, Aisha, Sam, oh, right? man. All, all, all over the place. And I think that that is a huge one. You know, we go back to having that, you know, it seems cliche to say, but it's so true about like representation uh, mattering and and just s- exposing the younger generations and and people who aren't that well versed in the sport they see mm-hmm. someone that looks like them in the sport and it's so huge for them you know and i was just about to touch on that point exactly it's exactly that's exactly the point because yeah when people see someone that looks like them in power it gives them like, wow, like hope. I mean, but like I said, like this has been the reality for most Caucasian people. Right. Since, since Europeans, since, you know, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of a lot of you guys like kind of take for granted because it's like, it's a given, right? Yeah. It's a given that our politicians are going to be white males mostly. Right. Sure. So, and because it looks like me and, you know, that's kind of like, you know, my dad was a Senator. My granddad was a Senator you know, from hundreds and hundreds of years. And, you know, yeah, it's just expected. That's that's just the way it is. But, yeah, when, when it comes to us, that's why people like Aisha, like Justin, like, uh, you know, historical figures like uh, Major, Major Taylor, Taylor yeah. like Major Taylor, like R- Rasan even today, right? Like, man, when I saw Rasan, when I saw his account for the first time, I was like, what? I'm like, whoa, what is this? And then I saw Aisha and met her. Um, actually, when we met, it was at because Dairy. Are you Aisha? You know, kind of starstruck, right? Like right. I was literally starstruck when I saw her in person. And I was like, you know, she kind of played it off like, oh blah, you know, like she was busy. I'm like, oh, you know, she said hi, or whatever. But it's like, you know, she was before her race, so she's not trying to talk to anyone, right. right? Like, so you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm like, okay, cool, just leave her alone. Luckily, the following week when we had intelligentsia, um, she comes up to me race apparently and uh she was with sam so i met uh sam through aisha at the goose island crit it was that it was 16 the day man i was dude i was like it rained so hard they had to keep us they had to lock us inside because there was blowing all the signs everywhere yeah i remember that i mean that it was that day yeah it was that day that we met and uh yeah that's where we met and started become became like friends and you know, she's been out here to Spain and, you know, we are, you know, doing some interesting things together. And it's, it's really exciting to be able to, like I said, to see someone that looks like me. And on top of that, you know, to see people in the sport, in, especially in a sport like this, that exacerbates the excitement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that there have been, that, they, that, bike media maybe we could call it cycling media has been doing at least some some bike media i'll say has been doing a better job of featuring you know um 
featuring people who don't fit the traditional mold, right? Like bicycling just had Leo on their cover. Um, Leo Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I tell you what, man, my son saw Leo. So like he saw Leo on the cover and man, I swear to God, this is the most stoked that a kid has ever been about cycling. Like he likes riding and he likes riding with me, but when he saw Leo on the cover, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and he was like, wait, this guy, he was like, he doesn't, he's missing a leg. I was like, yeah, you know, and he read about him in the article and he was like this is such a cool story and like he's such a cool guy and we watched like some videos of him riding and just like the i think that there's been a better some like i said some cycling media has done a better job but again uh i think a lot of that is from like aisha she's like she grinds on social media and like you know a lot of it comes from her pushing herself Mm -hmm. right it's still not the industry pushing her uh if that makes sense like promoting it she's also do it she has even further proof of how much more grinding we have to do in order to sure. achieve the same success as our white counterparts. Sure. Right. So that, it, it, and it's like, it's easy for us to say, Oh, wow. Like I used to call this success. Like people don't know, like, you know what I mean? Like how, how tough it is. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, for us and, and for that, and that's what we're, 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 we're that's yeah. That's what we're fighting for. Like, right. Like you see uh, how hard. Another thing that I think the industry can do and what we can do is to help, um, is to have um, um, black voices and voices of color in cycling. Okay. Because, because why? Because, because we have stories to tell. And not just black people, white people, but human beings, uh, stories resonate well with us, right? With, mm-hmm. with humans, right? We learn from stories. Our grandparents and like have been, like history has been, has quite literally been passed down like from generation to generation through telling stories. So if the industry, and if even at a local level, if we can share black voices, if we can share um, uh, Instagram accounts, websites, uh, blogs, um, uh, bike shops, um, and bike companies, you know, there's some small black-owned bike companies that, that are out there. And to help amplify this, our voices, and give us more visibility, I think that that that's the uh that would be the cornerstone of another cornerstone of um of of of, of equality in 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 this sport uh is to amplify our voices and to and to show our to tell our stories so marty i want to say again thank you so much to for coming on and doing this with me i really appreciate the conversations we've had and and the open dialogue that we've had that helps me and hopefully uh, some people that are listening uh, realize how we can help, what we can do to make this sport better, uh, and, and and to 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 give that access to everybody. Yeah, no, uh, well, you know, I appreciate it. it was good. Well, first of all, it's uh, it's good to hear your voice again. You sound good, and uh, thanks for having me.
yeah, any, 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 we can talk about anything on the show. Uh, I hope this isn't the last time that we have a chance to, uh, to do something like this. Definitely. I'd love to have you on again. Thanks. My last little thing that I wanted to share is, uh, I'm very proud to announce with a, uh, a little movement black foxes. I will, uh, if you check, you'll be able to see it and, and you will kind of be able to see, uh, what in cycling overall. And, uh, proud to be a part of uh to be a part of of making uh cycling of what we doing to make cycling a a more inclusive space for everyone marty did you want to shout did you want to give everybody your instagram handle they can find you at uh yeah well my instagram hang handle is um marty uh, it's m-a-r-t-y m-a-r-t-i-n-h-o and uh yeah um i'm quite frequently on the gram yes that's marty's a great guy to follow super knowledgeable super friendly honestly one of one of my very very good friends in the cycling community um even though i haven't seen him in two years you gotta come you gotta come home soon dude oh man uh yeah i know man uh we'll see how things go this yeah we'll see how things go everything is it's 2020 man everything is yeah i I had plans twice a year i can tell you this year but uh yeah it's been put on all right man well thank you again for for hopping on i really appreciate it um and we will see you guys next time later marty thank you see you later matt bye